Hello, Life Over Coffee friends. Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and you are listening to Life Over Coffee. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. For those of you who appreciate what we're doing here in this podcast, uh, if you don't mind, and if you have not, uh, would you go on the platform where you're listening to this podcast and write a nice review and give us a five-star rating? The reason I ask that is because it helps the algorithms to push us around and to get us in front of more people so folks can hear more about the practical message of Jesus Christ. And if you do appreciate what we're doing, then you can support us in that small way. And so if you would go on the platform, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Tuned In, SoundCloud, wherever that you listen to us and just write a review and give us a nice rating, that would be great. For those of you that don't enjoy this, you don't have to do anything. Just continue to listen, and that would be wonderful as well. This is episode 357. The title of it is Response to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, Episode 5. And so I am reviewing the series, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, the podcast series, and this is Episode 5. And similar to the warning that Christianity Today gave about Episode number 4, uh, they suggest that you pre-screen it before listening to it with others. And so not only episode four, but also this one. But I want to push that just a little bit further, not just pre-screening it for the little ears that are in the room. If you decide to share this episode with someone who has been in an abusive relationship, I would consider you make sure you listen to it well, and perhaps you don't want to do that. If you know that the person has gone, is in a an abusive relationship or has gone through one, um, just be careful about sharing this because this could be a triggering episode. It is, it's just really out there and there's some hard things that they talk about in some of the happenings in Mars Hill Church, specifically with Mark Driscoll. And so consider your audience if you choose to uh, share this with another person. The title of episode number five is The Things We Do to Women. Now, my aim in working through these episodes is to help folks think through the church that they attend and the leadership culture of their church and potentially identify things that might not be apparent. What I'm not doing is providing a Monday morning play-by-play -play critique of each episode, working through it line upon line. You can listen to the episodes if you want, but I hope that you will gain personal insight, things that you can apply to your life uniquely to you as you listen to these reviews that I am doing, but that you can also make application to your teachers at your church and the church that you attend. And it's okay. You can do that. You can do that with the log in your eye and with an attitude, a heart of humility. Uh, we need to do that. In fact, this is one of the things that was not happening well at Mars Hill Church and contributed to some of the problems that they had. There was a distinct 
and growing disconnect and gap between the leadership and the congregation. And whenever that happens in a church, you're in a dangerous place. Now, I am aware that Mark Driscoll primarily created that because he was an isolationist, uh, as it is is alleged in this podcast series, uh, but also that he rebuffed accountability. And of course, if you're in a church where the leadership is uh, isolating from you and they're not open to accountability, well, then those are your signs that you speak into that and do all that depends upon you to live at peace with the leadership and have cohesion within that church. And of course, if that doesn't happen, uh, it may be wise that you leave that environment. Uh, But again, I trust that you will be able to gain that personal insight and then also make those applications uh, to your local churches. The things I want to present in this uh, episode are in the order in which Mike Cosper, the narrator of this series, presents them. And I have seven things that I want to touch on as far as reviewing episode number five from the series, The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Number one, the first thing that they presented, they went back to the masculinity uh, niche of the church, and I did talk about that in the last series, but there is no question that the niche of this church was on masculinity and gender and sex. Uh, Mark Driscoll had a hyper-complementarian worldview, and it's important that you understand the modifier hyper. Complementarianism is taught in the Bible, and it is a good thing when presented biblically, but Mark Driscoll like a hyper-Calvinist, he was a hyper-complementarian, and that was the niche of the church. And so he built it on a hobby horse primarily, as I talked about in the last episode, the running quote is, if you can get the man, you can get the wife, if you get the wife, you get the children, therefore the target audience is the man. And as you think about your church, that is the question that you want to ask is what is the niche of the church? Now, I trust the niche of your church is a bibliocentric one, a sufficiency of Scripture one, an authority of God's Word from Genesis to Revelation, that that is the niche of the church. And then out of that niche, there is an exaltation of Christ. He must decrease as I, he must increase rather as I decrease. And if Christ is lifted up, people will be drawn to him. That is the scope and the niche of any biblical church. But Mark Driscoll had another spin on that, and it was a masculinity niche, but I would say a hyper-complementarian niche, something that the Bible does not teach in the way that Mark Driscoll presented it. And then Christianity Today, to make their case about this specific niche of Driscoll, uh, they would they have brought in a a cavalcade of individuals who are not 
standing on the sufficiency of Scripture. Many of the people that they interview are woke. Some of them are not Christians. Many of them are not evangelical. And this is a frustrating point. In fact, I find it mind-boggling and frustrating that Christianity Today would use these type of authors to investigate what went wrong with Mars Hill. It seems to me that if you're investigating what went wrong with an evangelical church, that you would use people who were sound in Scripture. Uh, But in this episode, they talk again uh, to Christian Dumais, for example, a woke author who wrote Jesus and John Wayne. And when they interview her, uh, she talks about the masculinity-centered worldview, and she says it comes from a post-World War II Cold War era. Well, she's only about 2,000 years off as far as her assessment is concerned because the Bible teaches hierarchy and manhood and womanhood and complementarianism and leadership and submission. These are good things that the Bible teaches, and we don't have to self-censor ourselves from speaking about these things because someone like uh, Mark Driscoll has a hyper view and application of them. But the masculinity that Christianity Today presents in this series has two extremes. I mean, it's not a biblical view of masculinity. There's two extremes here. On one side, you have the gross, hyper-masculine, skewed teaching of Mark Driscoll And then on the other side, they draw from woke activists and non-believers and uh, those who, many folks who have been hurt and they're still working through and they're reacting to Mark's awful teaching. And so those are the two polar opposites. And I think Christianity Today makes a mistake here that if they want to talk about the rise and fall of Mars Hill, they should, uh, the primary pillar Uh, post that they should lean up shouldn't be those two extremes uh, to talk about this problem. For example, DeMay points out that really the pivot point uh, with all of this happened at 9-11. And then Mike Cosper comes along and says he agrees with her position based on a soundbite from a sermon that Mark Driscoll uh, preached. Uh, DeMay says that evangelicals stoked the fears to consolidate men's power. Now, that is a a motive-centered commentary. Uh, She's addressing the motive of evangelicals, men specifically. The reason we did this is because we wanted to stoke fears to consolidate our power. Well, that's a motive of the heart. Uh, analysis that she's giving, and that is really dangerous. I don't know the motive of Mark Driscoll's heart, and uh, to say that uh, the motive was because uh, he was contextualized in a particular time of a few historical events like 9-11, I think that's quite dangerous. I mean, the truth is the church has always preached from the context that it was in because, honestly, you can't do otherwise. Many of our creeds came about because the church was addressing an unbiblical problem in the culture. And there's no question that there's a problem with masculinity 
in the culture. Now, Mark Driscoll was the wrong messenger. There's no question about that. But it doesn't mean that there was a need to address that there wasn't a need to address manhood and womanhood biblically. And there are many people within evangelicalism that have done a good job addressing biblical manhood and biblical womanhood. But again, there's this running polarization in this series between Mark Driscoll on one side, a bad person, and then the people that they use to comment on a bad person comes from a non-evangelical position, and that it's just becoming more and more frustrating as I listen to this series. And so point number two is the tension between being biblical and woke, or in or Mark Driscoll's case, being non-biblical and being woke, the two polar opposites. Point number three is there's a, a better way. It would be better if Christianity Today were to talk about a harsh, crude, crass, gross, angry, authoritarian preacher who preached ideas found in the Bible. That's what was happening. There was a harsh, crude, crass, gross, angry, authoritarian, heavy-handed preacher who preached ideas found in the Bible. Unfortunately, his methods and messages clouded the clarity of God's Word. Christianity Today could say, here is what God's Word says about complementarianism and manhood and womanhood and leadership and submission and authority. And there's a lot of things that uh, Mark Driscoll said that were correct. And the Bible teaches all of these concepts, but not the way Mark Driscoll did it primarily. And so before, they could continue to say, I'm quoting what Christianity Today could say, they did not say this. So before you throw the preacher and the ideas out, what if you research the Bible to see how many of these concepts are honestly in Scripture? But again, you don't get that sense when you listen to this series. It's that polarization again. So it's almost like if Mark Driscoll said it, if Mark Driscoll was beholding to it, then we're just going to throw it all out. And then here are the reasons why. And then we bring in a cavalcade of of non-Christians or woke activists to make our point. And again, that is it's just a, a, a frustrating theme that now, after listening to five series of five episodes that runs through this. Point number four, there is no question that Mark Driscoll is not qualified to shepherd based on the plethora of sound bites from the first five episodes. There is no question in my mind. And there is no question that Christianity today does not stand for God's word especially on hierarchy, submission, manhood, womanhood, and complementarianism. But Mark Driscoll, going back to Mark, he put many women at risk uh, to their husbands the way that he talked. And I'm not going to say the things that are in this episode. Again, you can listen to it if you want to. Pre-screen it, please. Perhaps don't send it to some people because it could be harmful. Uh, He also... Not only did he uh, put women at risk uh, to their husbands, but he warped uh, the hearers with his messages if they believed what he taught. You see, 
It's important to understand that Mark's demographic in Seattle, primarily, not exclusively, but primarily, Mark had a biblically immature audience for the most part. And again, I'm not making a broad commentary on every person that uh, showed up at those uh, 15 campuses because many of the people were not immature, but a lot of them were. And you hear that in these episodes. There were several folks that talked about coming uh, to Mars Hill Church, not a Christian not regenerated. In fact, there is in this episode, uh, I believe the lady's name is Jessica, and she was interested in coming here because she had heard of this church, but she was not a believer. And that's why I say that Mark warped the hearers with his messages if they believed what he taught. He did not shepherd them well. Mark did not care for their souls. He manipulated people. He showboated. He built his brand. He went on a wild ego trip with no accountability. Now, I am not faulting the audience when I I say this, but they were vulnerable to a wolf-like person. And I'll just say wolf-like because I'm not going to make a commentary on whether Mark is a Christian or not. I don't know. Uh, But as I continue to listen to this series, I do question whether he was a a believer or not. But So I'm not faulting the audience uh, by saying that they were vulnerable to a wolf-like person, but I am making a factual statement, not a judgmental one. You see, if you fill a room with a group of new converts or non Christians, and you put someone like Mark Driscoll in front of them, there is no way it can go well. He is not the kind of person. Again, you listen to this episode, it's just like, wow, this is the person. And then you consider the demographic, which uh, CT has been clear throughout this series what this demographic was primarily. It was a non-Christian to new believer, young 20 to 30-something demographic. And you put someone like Mark Driscoll teaching some of the things that are put forth in this episode, there is no way it can go well. And in my view, Mark Driscoll is an unqualified uh, pastor that he Uh, Just based on this information here, and again, I don't know where he's at today in Arizona as far as what he believes and so forth, but he is a dangerous man, and that's why I gave the warning at the top of this podcast, be careful about who you send this episode uh, to. They also interviewed Rachel Den Hollander, and I was very glad about that. Rachel Den Hollander, uh, she is an evangelical uh, from Everything that I've read uh, from her, she loves God, loves his word, loves being in a sufficiency of scripture, church, has a a good marriage, and then, of course, uh, her work. Her work, primarily, or what she's known for, is that she, not single-handedly, but she was most definitely on point in bringing down uh, Larry 
uh, Nasser, uh, the physical therapist uh, at Michigan uh, U- University of Michigan, who molested something like over 300 people, and now he is in prison. Rachel Den Hollander has done a lot of work on that end, but she's done other investigative work as well, like into Sovereign Grace Ministries, because she was at one time a part of a Sovereign Grace church and had interaction, uh, closer interaction than many of us, because she was in the Louisville area where C.J. Mahaney uh, resurfaced after leaving Gaithersburg, Maryland, and so she has done a lot of work uh, as far as that church, that church and denomination issues as well. And so I was very thankful that Christianity Today did choose to talk to her and gain her insight. And one of the things that she said, and I thought it was a key idea, talking about Mark Driscoll, that she, that he gave them a false gospel and a false god. And, and he did. I mean, from listening to these sermon bites that they have put forth, and again, it was a, a masculinity niche sermon material framed in the grossest of ways. And so uh, one of the uh, about the three-quarter way through the podcast, they talked about Mark's view on oral sex, and they played some quotes from his sermons and it was really, I mean, it was just an eisegetical rant. Eisegesis means you read into it whatever you want. And Mark read into Scripture and then ranted on it about oral sex. And it was just grossly out of bounds. And so I was thankful that C.T. did talk uh, to Rachel Did Hollander uh, in this episode. Uh, again, an evangelical who uh, loves the Lord, has a sufficient scripture worldview, and it, it is a departure from some of the other in- interviewees. And this would be a better approach if they would have taken this approach throughout this series by bringing more solid people uh, to comment on what was going on with Mars Hill. But then again, uh, this is who Christianity Today is. And so they they draw from primarily the pool of people who hold to their own presuppositions and, and worldview. One of the questions that uh, Mike Cosper asked at the end of the podcast, he says, is it worth it? Now, what he's talking about, is it worth it as far as building a church like this? And I noted in an episode or two about pragmatism that it's working. Uh, that's something that you you do hear from Mark Driscoll, that uh, the method doesn't matter as long as you can get to what you want to. And so Mike Cosper talks about that at the end of this podcast, and he says uh, it works, but is that the right question? And then he says uh, it's not, is it working, but is it worth the damage? And I thought that was quite insightful, and I appreciated him saying that. I fully concur. There's two ways to think about this. Is it working? And that could lead you, that could lead you down, it could lead you down the path of pragmatism. We can look at anything that we are doing 
And if the result is the primary thing that matters, we can overlook the means. And so I liked his reframing the question, not is it working, but is it worth the damage? And so you look at the fallout uh, from the church. You look at the the hurt lives. And, and this is a question that, that I would, it really has to be raised, is that all the people who were waving the Mark Driscoll banner, uh, the people that were just full on, and you know, the, the Gospel Coalition, uh, for example, and these other boards and associations that he was a part of, that people were waving his banner. And I would ask two questions. One is, uh, have you fully vetted this person? I mean, Christianity Today is pulling out all these sermons, and if you listen to these sermons, uh, you have to say, I mean, I don't see any other way around it to say that he's unqualified to be a pastor based on the sermons that they are presenting. And so the question that I would ask the larger evangelical community, especially the celebrity preachers, is that uh, have you vetted him? Are you hearing what he is saying and then you're supporting him. And then if, you, if you're not listening to what he is saying, why are you supporting him when you have not vetted him? Now, to be fair, there is one individual who is very clear and upfront about Mark Driscoll right at the beginning of his popularity, and that was John MacArthur. Uh, he is one, and there may be other celebrity preachers out there who were listening to the sermons, and they could not get on board with Mark Driscoll. And I praise God for that, for people to have the courage and to stand up and say, "No, this is wrong." I mean, what he is doing, the niche that he has, the way that he is communicating, that he is not shepherding the people, but he is doing something else. And so there is something to be said for the people that were applauding him. And it goes back to the first episode. Uh, Who is at fault here? Christianity Today said in episode one that we're all at fault. I disagree with that statement. Uh, I disagree, but there is a broader swath of people that are culpable because they had the position and they applauded Mark Driscoll, and there was a lot of damage that was happening. And if you could not see the damage at the time because it has not fully come to fruition, well, if you listen to the messages, you have to know uh, that this cannot go well. There is no way this can go well. And so I do like the question that Mike Cosper asked, is it worth the damage? And the answer is absolutely not. And then finally, number seven, I took his question and I applied it to Christianity Today. He is asking, is it worth it what Driscoll and Mars Hill was doing? The answer is no. And then I ask, is this series worth it? And I have come to the same conclusion after listening to it. And I say, no, this series is not worth listening to, in my view. And I have three reasons for that. One, Mark Driscoll is a gross person who is potentially dangerous to listen to if your goal is to learn the Bible. And so rehashing sound bites from his messages, it can trigger the hurting, it can confuse the Bible novice, and it can affirm, it can be affirming for those who have walked away from Jesus. I mean, think about uh, someone who has walked away from Jesus and they listen to this series and it's 
like, yeah, yeah, that's why I walked away from Christianity. That's why I don't believe the Bible anymore. Yeah, you have, you have made my case, Christianity, today. Or someone can listen to this series and it could trigger them, which is the warning that I gave at the top of the podcast. Or the person that doesn't have, who's young in the Bible, young in the Lord, and doesn't have biblical discernment or a broad swath of understanding the scripture, the biblical novice, this could be so confusing to them, point number one. Number two, Christianity does not teach what the Bible teaches about manhood and womanhood. If the goal is storytelling, then this series can probably entertain you because it's well done, and I think every critic of this series has said it's well done done. But if the problem is poor teaching, which is what they're saying throughout, that Driscoll is a poor teacher, which is a mild way of saying it, what if you put forth better teaching than rehashing a harmful man suited up in Christian garb? And point number two. And then point number three is Christianity today uses several feminist, unbelievers, woke, individuals and other folks who do not have a sufficiency of scripture worldview. This podcast series is like listening to a left-leaning news program like CNN critiquing the alt-right. That's what this series is like. It's like CNN critiquing the alt-right. It is Christianity Today and using a swath of people who are beholding to their worldview that are that are critiquing and let's say an alt-right person, a, a, a hyper-complementarian person who is very gross and, and cursing. And for, and for those three reasons, I, at first it was like, hey, this is a great series to listen to because I listened to it from a storytelling perspective. But then as I'm doing this deeper listening, listening to these podcasts two and three times and making copious notes, it's like, no, this is not worth it. Uh, it's just not, it's not worth it. And so anyway, take that for what it's worth. If you want to talk to me and our team about this episode or anything else, uh, please just let us know. We would love to uh, interact with you. And we do that on our community forums. We have free forums. It's open to anybody in the world. And if you want to talk to us, uh, it would be our privilege to be able to interact with you. Thank you so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.